Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. If you're someone that's growing, find successful mentors, people that can help you cut through those mistakes that I just mentioned a second ago and keep you on track and then just surround yourself with really smart best ever people welcome to the best ever show the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff best ever listeners welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show i'm slocum reed and i'm here with ben kogut Ben is joining us from Austin, Texas. He is a partner and director of investor relations at HJH Investments, which specializes in syndicating triple net cash flow in properties like shopping centers, office buildings, industrial, medical, and quick service restaurants. Their current portfolio includes 80 acquisitions totaling around 500 million in AUM. He's also an LP in 10 deals. Ben, can you start us off with a little more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Sure, Slocum. Thank you for the honor of being on the show, first of all. And of to answer your question, I've been in the commercial real estate space since 2004, started as a broker. And then as a broker, I got to invest in a commercial real estate syndication with HJH back in 2017. And then pivoted, got an offer I couldn't refuse to join the company as a partner and 
more or less help with investor relations, raising capital and that kind of thing. It's been the best thing I've ever done. Nice. Remind me again, how long you've been in this? I have been in commercial real estate since 2004, but in syndication in particular since 2017 and full-time capital raiser for the last five years. Nice. 80 acquisitions. You were telling me before we started recording, you guys are doing about an acquisition a month. A couple of things come to mind here. It sounds like you guys have your fingers in a lot of commercial cookie jars when it comes to shopping centers, industrial, medical, office, probably some single tenant stuff in here too. Ben, I don't know how often you listen to our show. I'm an apartment owner operator based in Cincinnati, Ohio. When I think of syndication and when the majority of our listeners think of syndication, they think of value add apartment deals. That's where the majority of commercial syndication happens. And it happens in that value add space where you have rental space that is rentable, but you also have the opportunity to force some appreciation through adding value. Is your model similar in the triple net space or these value add syndications? What does that look like? They're similar in some ways and dissimilar in other ways. What our criteria for acquisition primarily is commercial real estate that is occupied by high credit tenants with long-term leases already in place. And we typically try to buy them better than a nine cap. So that has allowed for us to be able to cash flow our investment properties on day one. And to compare to multifamily as an example, typically those are opportunities where you're not going to see as much cash flow on day one because you're going to hold that cash flow back in order to reinvest it into the property to fix up the bathrooms or the kitchens or whatever. We don't have those issues because we don't have little tenants. We have big long-term high credit tenants that are responsible for their own interiors and things like that. As a landlord, really, really responsible for the exterior, for the roof, the structure, the landscaping and things like that. But ultimately, those are expenses that we pass through, through the triple net expenses. We pass this through to the tenants. So it allows for us to buy assets that are cash flowing, that have that stability. Occasionally, we'll buy a property that has some vacancy, and that is an opportunity for us to add value by obviously leasing up that space. So there's certainly similarities and dissimilarities. I agree with you. I find that 80% or more of the people that are syndicators are buying apartments. And that's great. We took that idea and we applied it to commercial real estate. And there is a tremendous amount of appetite for people that want to diversify their portfolio by having pieces of great commercial real estate. And that's what we've been doing. And that's why we've been growing so fast. I know I introduced myself as an apartments guy. The triple net space is something that our listenership and I are fairly familiar with, at least on a conversational, I've listened to a few podcasts level. What I'm having trouble wrapping my head around, Ben, you said before we started recording that you guys as a firm are taking down about a deal a month right now. Commercial high credit, big tenants with long-term leases already in place. Day one, better than a nine cap. That nine cap is the number that stands out to me the most. I'm having trouble targeting my question here. Where are you finding these deals and how many markets do you have to be looking in to be taking down a deal a month 
at a nine cap based on actuals with high credit, long-term lease commercial tenants? Yeah. So how do we find deals is really the question I'm hearing right there. And the short answer is we have an acquisitions team that looks at between 800 and 1500 deals every week. And they're looking for what fits in our box, our criteria. And out of that amount, that large funnel, on average, about 16 properties will fit in our box every week. So we make approximately 16 offers a week on assets around the country, although most of them happen to be in the Midwest is where we've been finding a lot of success. We are geographically agnostic. And oftentimes what we're finding are the best locations in secondary and tertiary markets, which is how we're able to achieve those cap rates. And let me add a little bit on top of that for your listeners to kind of talk you through some of the ways that we've been successful at winning deals. For example, number one, when we make an offer, we don't send a letter of intent. We send a signed purchase contract. And along with that, we'll preemptively send a list of references, sellers, brokers, investors, whoever, hey, call these people and ask them about HGH and how we do business because they're all going to tell you we do what we say we're going to do. And then number three, we promise them that within two weeks of being under contract, we will personally be on site. And then the other thing is usually if it comes on the market, we've made an offer on it within 24 hours of hitting the market. So we're generally speaking the first offer in the door. And for some reason, I'm not really sure why, psychologically, there's got to be a reason. We win deals that way just because we're the first offer. So those are just some ideas for your listeners to potentially win some more deals. Ben, I hope you have some advice that's a little more scalable than win deals by having an acquisitions team that can review 1,500 properties per week. That's a lot. And while our listenership is sophisticated, I don't know that most of us, myself included, have that kind of scale. Let me ask, how big is that acquisitions team? We have a couple of guys that all day long that they're looking at deals across the country. But yeah, scaling is relative, right? We're doing a deal a month. If you want to do a deal a year, then just scale that back down if you want to crank it up. But the point I'm trying to make is we know exactly what we're looking for. We are very focused. We believe in the one thing. Gary Keller wrote a book called The One Thing. And we know triple net, long-term lease, high credit tenant. And if it comes out on the market, we'll make a nine, nine and a half cap offer, negotiate it somewhere in the nine cap range and move forward. And the best advice I could give you is, make offers because you really never know what the seller's motivation is. And sometimes just being at the right place at the right time is what's going to allow you to get a really great deal. And frankly, I think a lot of people just get in their own way. They overanalyze things and all that. It's like, no, just make the offer. So really we make a really quick offer. Once we have the contract, we're going to slow down and really dig into the due diligence and all that. So to your question, make offers. And if you want to scale it up, Look at a crap load of deals. And if you want to scale it down, look at however many deals as you can, but at least know your market and know what you're looking for. And that's what I would say. That's of course, valuable insight, Ben, and very good advice to drill down into what your criteria are. And I think it's helpful for our listeners to hear, especially the active investors and the people in acquisitions that you guys are making as many nine to nine and a half cap offers as you can on the properties that meet your criteria. And also I want to point out, you said where you guys have found the most success 
not only shout out to the Midwest and shout out to Ohio and the Cincinnati area where you were telling me you've acquired some stuff. We can come back to that. But you're finding main and main deals in secondary and tertiary markets where you still have the high volume of traffic that you need to have quality commercial space. You're just doing it in markets that are smaller. So they're attracting less attention from major players. Another point of comparison for our listenership between your business model at HGAH and what we are most familiar with, like you said, 80% of syndicators or 80% of syndications are in the apartment space. You're looking at almost always a three to seven year hold plan with a preferred return, a targeted IRR. If you guys are buying the stuff that has the nine, nine and a half cap, cash flow day one. What does the business plan look like from there? So the plan is depending on the deal. So if it's a multi-tenant shopping center, then the opportunity to lease up any potential vacancy is first and foremost, the priority. If it's just a single tenant, absolute triple net deal, we're just going to own it, enjoy the cash flow and take care of the tenant's needs as they come up. But generally speaking, the tenant just takes care of themselves. We structure our deals to pay out monthly dividends to the investors after the first month, because as a landlord, we're already receiving rent. So we might as well start turn around and pay the investors. We're very focused on the cash on cash returns as opposed to IRR. IRR is a very important metric, but it really takes into consideration what you're guessing the exit is going to be at some point in the future. And given the volatility in the stock market, rising interest rates, blah, blah, blah. Nobody really knows what you're going to exit three, five, seven years from now. So we really like to focus on being able to provide a solid, consistent preferred return to the investors. And that's why we've been able to grow so fast as people come to us because they're looking for monthly distributions that's backed by these high credit tenants with long-term leases. So that's it. We have all the systems in place. We take care of our investors. We provide them with quarterly updates on what's happening with the properties. That includes the latest cash flow statement and balance sheets. And then regarding management, I'll share another way that we have been able to scale that I think your listeners could benefit from, which is management is something that has two major components. And most people combine the two. We've separated them. And what I mean by that, there's the physical management, the roof leaks and landscaping and whatever, lights and all those kind of things. And then separate from that is the financial management, collecting rents, paying expenses, taxes, yada, yada, yada. So what we've been able to do is we will hire a local third-party property management company that will just handle the physical side of management. And then we have built an in-house accounting team that handles all the financial management. And frankly, a lot of these managers, they prefer that. They like the physical. A lot of them don't like the financial side of things, dealing with all the tenants. So we just take that. We take control of it. It allows for all of our reporting to be the same throughout all of our portfolio. Instead of having our own relationships locally, we can leverage third-party management companies with their roofing contractors and landscapers or whatever. And it's really been a great way for us to expand. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? 
Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's three-hour Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $2 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars twice in the last 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and real estate investors like you. You can learn more at DanaCornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to DanaCornell.com forward slash best ever and enroll today. And right now, best ever listeners, you can enroll for over $500 off. Go to DanaCornell.com forward slash best ever. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. With management having two major components, physical and financial, I'm not disagreeing with you. Apartments are different. And I will preface this. I very much enjoy operating at a third grade reading level within my own thought leadership. I find that a lower reading level just makes things a lot easier, more relatable, especially for people who are new. So I'm an owner operator. I have my own management company. I have my own general contracting company. I, I break everything down into three components. Everything involved in the management of property comes down to one of three things. Buildings, the physical, money, the financial, and people the resident relations, the tenant relations, and the leasing. I imagine the majority of that in your case, since your tenants are businesses, a lot of that comes down to the financial. And I do all of my own leasing in-house, of course, with apartments. That's pretty regular. I imagine for your leasing, you are using brokers. Are you using the same brokers who bring you these deals for the leasing? No. Sales brokers are a different skill set than leasing brokers. And I agree with you that there's third component to it, leasing. We don't actually lump leasing into the management side of the business, but I completely agree with you. We will hire uh, local third-party leasing companies, which is separate from management. They are focused on building relationships with the local tenants in that market, commercial tenants, and more specifically, If it's a shopping center, then there are specifically leasing agents for shopping centers, office buildings, industrial. They're very specialized. And typically what we found the most success with are leasing companies that have a junior broker as well as a senior broker. And oftentimes that junior broker is the one that's hitting the phones and trying to crank out the business. And then once they find a lead, then the senior broker comes in and closes the deal. So that's been another recipe for success for us. That makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting that you point that out. 
I know a lot of brokerages that are structured that way. And I know a lot of brokerages that have the in-house sales team and the in-house leasing team. And those two teams are completely separate. I also know a lot of junior brokers that get frustrated that they have to hand everything off to the senior guy as soon as they generate the business. The other thing here I wanted to ask about, you did not mention in your acquisitions that you target properties with vacancy, but of course, filling vacancy is one of the first things that you do. And then when I asked you about the business plan, your response was something along the lines of own the property, enjoy the cash flow, start paying dividends in the first month. That doesn't sound like the value add play that leads to a sale. I know in your triple net space, your cap rate is often very strongly influenced by who your tenant is. So if you move from a mom and pop tenant base in a shopping center, for example, to having more nationally recognized national brand backed high credit leases that you can reduce that cap rate. That's not what you're saying though. I'm not hearing you say we buy at a nine and a half to be able to increase the NOI and sell at that cap rate or reduce cap rate due to higher tenant quality. You guys are just buying and holding for the long term. Yes. So there is, depending on the deal, many opportunities to add value through that strategy you talked about finding higher credit tenants, increasing rents, providing tenant improvement allowances in exchange for higher rents. There's a lot of different strategies to do that type of value add. Really, the real value add, and maybe this is a little controversial, is we're simply buying these at a steep discount. And why? It's because we're sending out so many offers that we find sellers that are motivated to sell at a discount. Why? For a variety of different reasons. And then typically there is going to be a cap rate compression. Oftentimes, if we wanted to just go ahead and flip the property and take our time filling out the market, we could probably do that, but that's really not our strategy. Our investors, they like that monthly dividend and that's what we like to provide. So back to your question, our intentions on how long we're going to hold it. Our mentality is let's hold this for seven to 10 years. But if someone comes along and they want to pay us a stupid amount of money for the property, yeah, sure, we'll sell it. That's stupid. That's not probably the right phrase, but if it makes the most sense for the investors, what I'm trying to say is if whatever makes the most sense for our investors, because our mission that we take very seriously is to protect and then grow our investors' capital with an emphasis on protect. And so whatever makes the most sense in alignment with that mission, then that's what we're going to do. Ben, as much as I'd love to continue this conversation for another hour, that's not the best ever podcast. I've got a couple more points that I feel like I need to get to, though, before we have a good comprehensive understanding for me and for our listeners of what it is that you guys do and the value that we can gain from listening to you in this conversation. Seven to 10 year hold period, not targeting any particular sale metrics making sure that you're protecting your investors' cash flow. Again, there's a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode, but no offers to investor being made in this conversation. That being said, what is it typically that your investors are looking for? Or what kind of return is it that you're projecting with this business model? So the answer, of course, is it depends. When you ask me what kind of returns, are you talking cash on cash? Are you talking IRR? 
because these are two very different metrics. I think I mentioned earlier, as far as cash on cash returns are concerned, we publish on a quarterly basis every single deal that we have done. We publish what we had performed it to be and what the reality of what the returns have been. So if anybody wants to see that list, we are completely transparent. We publish that. I don't think a whole lot of syndicators are updating that information. What did we think it was going to be and what's the reality? And then when you looked out of the list, what's the average? It's just shy of a 10% cash on cash return. So somewhere in the nine. Is that that global to the investor? Gotcha. It sounds like your business model is not as IRR focused as typical apartment syndications. Is that a metric that you guys focus on? Is that something that's important to you guys? Of course, IRR is an important metric, but it really is something that is a made up number until you actually close on it and you see how much time went by. So it's something that we, of course, will pro forma. They often are somewhere in the 20% IRR range, somewhere in there. I don't know. It varies, but I don't personally like to invest that way. I know a lot of people do, but I like to see those checks come in every month. Back to the start of this conversation, I started as an investor in this company because that's what I was looking for. And then luckily I have an opportunity to now do what I get to do. So the answer is it depends. We will articulate what our intentions are for that property on a deal by deal basis because we're not a fund. This is a syndication deal uh, by structure. Deal. So deal by deal. Yep. All accredited investors. Before we transition to the last segment of the show, Ben, let me put it this way. Let's say that I am a passive investor. I'm weighing my options. And of course, most of my options are value at apartment syndications. What I'm hearing about the way that you all operate, your business model, and what it is that you currently deliver. If I were looking to place my capital somewhere that I knew was low risk, that there would be returns day one, that the projected returns on my capital do not rely upon the execution of a potentially sophisticated business plan, things that could cause delays, renovation, new development. And I'm not as focused on the equity multiple or the IRR as I am having consistent set it and forget it cash flow. It sounds like that is the investor that you guys are working with and for whom your business model makes the most sense. Is that fair? Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. We always encourage people to diversify their portfolio. And yes, it's simple. It's really simple and it's passive and it's consistent mailbox money. So yeah, that would check the box if that's what you're looking for. Yes. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, Ben, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it, Slocum. Awesome. What is the best ever book you've recently read? Yes. The best book I've read is called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Victor was a survivor of the Holocaust. And one of the biggest lessons that he teaches in his book is not only to live a life of meaning, but to be present along the way. And that is something that I strive for on a daily basis. Yeah, it's a great book for sure. What is your best ever way to give back? My favorite way to give back is to volunteer, to mentor, and I'm involved in several local and international leadership groups as well. Thus far in your investing career, what's the biggest mistake that you've made and the best ever lesson that resulted from it? 
prior to becoming a capital raiser, I was putting deals together on my own and I put up roughly $20,000 as earnest money on a deal I was pursuing. Money went hard. After the money went hard, between that period and the time to actually close, we discovered some more problems with title as well as with some other issues. And unfortunately, that money was hard, aka non-refundable. So we lost our money, but we didn't do the deal. So I guess that was the win, finding out that information prior to closing. But uh, I learned a lot of lessons on due diligence. And every time you do a deal, you learn more and more and more. And that's okay. It's just part of the process. Awesome. On that note, Ben, what is your best ever advice? The best advice is that it's better to copy genius than create mediocrity. So what I mean by that is if you're someone that's growing, find successful mentors, people that can help you cut through those mistakes that I just mentioned a second ago and keep you on track and then just surround yourself with really smart, best ever people. And that's what I've been doing. I encourage everyone to do the same. And where can people get in touch with you? Yeah, the best way to get in touch with me is through my website, hjhinvestments.com. On there, we have a free ebook called Five Things to Consider When Investing in a Commercial Real Estate Syndication. It's free. Or on any of the socials, my name is at Ben Kogut. Last name is spelled K-O-G-U-T. Awesome. And those links are in the show notes. Ben, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you gain value from this conversation, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend who you know will be interested in this conversation that we can add value to them through what we've discussed about triple net commercial real estate investing. Thank you and have a best ever day. Thanks so much, Logan.